really like being surprised. I have a soft spot for contradictions, for ideas that are hard to pin down, for things that seem to be, to me, more lovely and that they exist in spaces in between either and or, for things that point towards mystery. Grace is clearly one of those things. Complex, contradictory, too many meanings that sometimes don't make sense with each other. How beautifully paradoxical. Anne Lamont, in her book Traveling Mercies, Some Thoughts on Faith, writes this. There's something so graceful about a huge, unwielding person who's found a way to glide. And there's something so graceful about a skinny little kid with poor coordination arms akimbo, knees knocking with this hopeless little kid who will always be picked last in schoolyard games, but who's just so happy to be running so fast, running exactly the way she's running. Living into grace doesn't always appear to be graceful. It's often awkward, funny. A child learning to walk, which some of us may remember fondly just recently seeing Lizzie do, means falling and falling again and watching them brave the, chan- the, the opportunity to let go. And that's the hardest part for them, the letting go, even when they can already walk, really. A teenager adjusting to a changing body is full of grace and the most awkward thing most of us do in our lives. Dealing with change, failure, growth requires grace and is not graceful. It's working, though, transforming within us and an elder facing the coming of the end of their days. The failing of our bodies when we've lost physical graces over time is a period of grace. Just when I think I understand what this word means, when I think I've pinned it down, it throws me for another loop. It shows me something new, something unexpected. I'm reminded of how little I know, of how little I am, Edith Solwood, the union psychologist who practiced for over 30 years, recounts this story in her book, Sacred Stories. It's said that a favorite student of Jung's went to visit him when he was in his 80s and living in a little tower on Lake Zurich. They went for a walk, and Jung began to tell him a dream. He would tell anybody his dreams, friends, students, the farmers who lived next door. And he said that often their comments would give him some new insight that he couldn't reach himself. Sometimes people would say things that felt so wrong that he got a hint of what might be right. This student, as he was walking, listened to the dream very carefully. In great awe, as the students of course, would have been of Jung, he said, oh, 
It must be so marvelous having worked on dreams for so long and being the age you are to be able to understand your own dreams. Jung said angrily, No, no, don't you understand that your dream always remains a mystery, particularly to yourself? Even after spending his life devoted to studying the mysteries of human psyches, the mysteries of our dreams, he knew how little he knew. In fact, his beginner's mind had grown with his wisdom. As his knowledge expanded, so too his humility. What grace indeed. The 19th century painter of Swiss-German descent, Henry Fusilli, said, Nature makes no parade of her means. Hence, all studied grace is unnatural. Grace defies traditional learning. You can't come to understand it by reading about it in a book or studying it in school. Nor can grace be earned. It's universally given and received. Grace holds the smallest among us just as it holds the largest, the youngest, the oldest, and each and every one of us who fall somewhere in between, and the loudest and the most quiet. The kinds of graces that we can learn, in fact, may not even serve us spiritually. Many of them don't. Learned social graces for example, may lead us to smooth over and cover up a disagreement or a conflict that needs to run its course or needs to be worked through. In seeing the light of day, that conflict might dissipate, but hidden it could fester, it probably will, fester and grow and build resentments and pain. Grace calls us to speak the hard truths when they need speaking when they need to see the light of day. It calls us to be brave. It allows us to be brave. In the words of Sarah Bareilles from our music video this morning, you can be amazing. You can turn a phrase into a weapon or a drug. You can be the outcast or the backlash of somebody's lack of love. And your history of silence won't do you any good. Did you think it would? Now, I've seen you be brave. You have been brave. I've seen you take leaps. I've seen you dance, like in the music video, without care in the world, being utterly yourselves, regardless of what people might think, even if people are saying, do you think he took the wrong pills? This is grace. This is practicing making space for grace so that when things get rough, when things look dismal, when people start confusing speaking their truths with unleashing their hurt and anger on others, grace will help us move onward, will help us keep walking it. One of my favorite TV shows, one of perhaps the only reality TV shows I watch is called So You Think you can dance. It's kind of like American Idol. It's, it's a, a show where young people, very young adults especially, like 18 to 24 generally, but sometimes older young adults, come from all over the country and audition to be on this dance show to try to be the best dancer. America's favorite dancer is what they call it. 
Each of the dancers have their own specialty when they arrive. They have one kind of dance that they have focused on most of their lives. But in the competition, they must learn and compete by doing all of the different styles of dance. So they're pushed out of their comfort zone of their particular kind of dance. Technique for the competition is somewhat less important than growth and embodiment and being able to find that ineffable dancer's quality, performance quality. From within the structures of years of dance and training, the most heart-wrenching of dances seem to be created when they're able to stop focusing on whether they are flexing their foot or arching their back just right to make the space for grace to move in them, to carry them as they glide across the floor, to call out the depths of their passion and share that with the audience. In their responses, the judges talk about technique a little bit, but really they talk about whether the dance moved them, whether they saw a giving over in the performer. One of my other favorite television shows is Grey's Anatomy. There are two main characters who like to dance together at home to music with reckless abandon. At one point in one episode, though this is a recurring theme, but one in particular speaks to me, they dance in order to make themselves brave. And one character says, dancing makes you brave. And that that has become a mantra for me. They dance when they need to say something they don't know how to say in order to get themselves ready for it. And sometimes I do that too. Henry Fusilli also said, grace is beauty in motion. Or rather, grace regulates the air, the attitudes, and the movements of beauty. This practice provides the comfort to let go to fall like the leaves do, to dance along the tightrope. That is the challenge, as we heard in the reading, the moment of hope to dance as near to the edge of destruction as possible, to be willing to fall and still not fall. Now, we all fall. We know that over and over and over again. And we can be caught by grace. The poet Denise Levertov puts it this way, as swimmers dare to lie face to the sky and water bears them, as hawks rest upon air and air sustains them, so would I learn to attain freefall and float into creator spirit's deep embrace, knowing no effort earns that all surrounding grace. Or as the 12th century Persian poet Rumi wrote, You are so weak. Give up to grace. The ocean takes care of each wave till it gets to the shore. You need more help than you know. If we trust it, if we have faith in it, grace can provide us with the strength to take risks. It can free us from fear. If we have faith in ourselves, if we trust 
ourselves, we can provide the strength we need to take risks, to free us from fear. We can take this for granted or ignore it, but it will still move through us, particularly when we are with others, when we are in deep relationship, offering forgiveness or compassion to someone, sharing of ourselves, speaking prophetically in the world. Edith Sulwood shares another story of a conversation between a four-year-old and their grandmother about how grace can be there at all stages of life. The grandmother was preparing for the hardest fall of all, yet the most inevitable, death. The four-year-old begins, when am I going to die? When do you want to die? Never. Everything must die. Not the earth. Yes, the earth as well. Not the clouds. You see, you see them vanish and be born again. Well, when you die, who will feed me? Perhaps you can feed yourself. I don't want to die. Nana is ready to die. She's old and happy. I'm new. Are you dying, Nana? Yes. I don't want to not see you anymore. I'll come to you in your dreams. Okay. Have a good time dying, Nana. I'll try. Children, perhaps, are the most open to grace, I think. There's no pretense. As we age, we can build up so many walls. We can block the passageways with affectations and pretense. We can stop listening or create such noise that we cannot hear. We can become rigid in our thinking and miss the prophetic voices within, among, and all around us. We can become set in our ways. We can layer images and masks and armors over ourselves, and oftentimes it's for good reason, out of real and strong fears. It's risky out there. The risks we take with our hearts and souls can be great and destructive. And yet, Nana accepts the coming of her death, as we all must in the end. And as she has aged, as she passed on her learnings to those she would leave behind, she's opened herself, herself, allowing grace to move through her as she has witnessed its power, not seeming to try to control it, but just letting it be. For we know it can't be controlled. We cannot will grace to us or will it away. It moves as it will. It is ever-present, though. Flickering in flickers, we can catch a glimpse of some of the evidence. 
in the beautiful yet brutal truths that often come from children's lips, like, I'm new, or I don't want you to die. In the dynamism of a gifted dancer who's given over completely to the music and the movement, in the artistry and mystery of creation, in the moments of pure connection between any two, three, or more of us. In those moments, grace reminds us that it's always there. Grace embraces us and moves through us, sings a hauntingly gorgeous melody, and dances with perfect technique and total reckless abandon. In those moments, we are reminded how we are called to live into grace. As the poet W.H. Auden said, I know nothing except that every, what everyone knows. If there, when grace dances, I should dance. Okay, well, isn't it always dancing? Look into the eyes of a loved one or in the wonder of the natural world. Is it not singing? Listen deeply to one another or to the ambient music all around or to the stirrings of your own heart. Is it not embracing you? Let go and feel yourself be held. Let go and fall and not fall. Is it not flowing through you if you let yourself shine and let it shine through you. May it be so. And amen.